You know, rambling Don, what's that flower you have on? Could it be a painted rose from days gone by? Hello, it's yada 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 and Krauts. Yanks and Krauts. Last Yanks week, and Krauts. Yanks, Yanks and Krauts. Krauts. Yanks, Yanks and Krauts. Krauts. Yanks and Krauts. Just right. internalize it. Can All you right. say it one more time? I'm working please? on it. Uh, Yanks and Krauts. I have, Ten to really, I have to work very Deep hard point. at saying that. Last week, we failed to get our podcast down to half an hour. We failed miserably because oh, yeah. I, I just talked too much. Here we go. President Biden and citizen Trump, thats uh, he was designated that by one of his uh, judges in one of the trials. I like it when you say citizen Trump. I mean, that's... I mean, it's the truth. We're, we're just sticking to the facts, right? I'm okay with the, um, the honorific of calling a former president, President Trump. It's troubling when they're both doing something that's in the news at the same time. Or troubling when they try to overturn well, um, yeah. the government. Yeah, troubling probably wasn't the right word. I was just speaking yeah, about the linguistics. It's, for instance, some networks refer to President Trump as President Trump and Biden as Biden. And to me, that's confusing. It is. Because one person is acting in an official capacity and one isn't. Anyway, so last week, uh, or last week, yeah, a few days ago, President Biden and Citizen Trump visited the border. And according to competing media, they both went to the wrong parts of the border. How so? I mean, should they have gone to Arizona instead? That's it, exactly. Arizona. Arizona apparently right now is the most active border. Oh, wow. And I thought Eagle Pass in Texas would be the neuralgic point on the border to Mexico. Okay. Anything else, Austin? Yeah, Trump went to Eagle Pass, uh, pointed out that Biden was in Brownsville, Texas, insinuating that Brownsville, Texas was not the border crisis hotspot. Essentially, he was saying, I went to the right place. These, you know, he's standing around with some uh, sheriffs and local And the uh, governor. Yeah, right. Uh, essentially, citizen Trump, uh, right, uh, who has no legal authority right now, no legal authority anywhere in the United States, was claiming that his photo op was better than President Biden's photo op. If you listen to the critique, that's essentially what it became. This claim was, uh, in you know, uh, repeated repeatedly on the Fox network that Biden was going to the wrong place. And that Trump's photo op was much, much better and more effective. And that basically leads us to the question, who has the longest nose? Okay. Um, okay. What's wrong with Brownsville? Well, Brownsville, nothing. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's not as busy as Eagle Pass. Okay. Eagle Pass apparently um, is a busier uh, crossing. And uh, I, I think it's because Eagle Pass sounds more American. Eagle Pass. I mean, if it was like America's bald eagle pass. Anyway, I have a feeling that that was, you know, part of the reason that Trump chose that one. I don't know why Biden chose Brownsville. They're both uh, fairly busy, you know, um, uh, border crossing uh, areas. Anyway, so um, they uh, both had a photo op of sorts. President Biden went to Brownsville uh, and... Um, The real issues, uh, here, here's the real issue. Citizen Trump made many false claims, you can call it lying repeatedly, while he was at the border. And, and this, you know what, rambling. He was just rambling. It was uh, a, a little weird to, to, to behold, a little hard to follow. But his claims were essentially such. He was claiming that uh, Texas was an out-of-control war zone of illegal immigrants, 
And, you know, and Texas authorities were, you know, struggling to, to, to you know, all, he was using invasion language. Uh, at the same time, he was saying that Texas was doing the best job. They had the best, most closed down border. It, it was a little weird. I mean, he was contradicting himself. Uh, it, so, you know, on the one hand, he would go down one road about how terrible it was. And then he realized that, oh, I, I'm supposed to be using Texas as a model, a role model for how to control the border. And, and I'm going to throw in a little side note. You know, I, I think if we look at this upcoming election, we have to think about what it's going to be like, what's going to actually be going on. And, what do you mean? Well, you look at our various choices around the border. Texas right now is becoming a model of sort of a cruel response. Barbed wire, barbed wire in the water, they have um, containers in Eagle Pass along the river. So it's right, right. We'll talk about impossible. the containers. It's yeah. barely impossible to cross the border there. Well, so I, it's, I wanna, it's stupid yeah, to go yeah, there. Because but but there, there's a level of cruelty. You know, the dispute between the federal agents and the Texas right. National Guard and the Texas agents. They set up a, a, a whole camp it, for it the National Guard. Well, no, it literally came down to people drowning that the federal agents could not rescue because of the barbed wire. So they wanted to remove the barbed wire so they could keep people from drowning. Uh, let's just talk about a couple of things. You know, I've been thinking about this for a while and it never comes up. Uh, Trump's wall. I do not believe this concept of open borders. I, one, I, that's not really what's, what it is. And I don't believe in that. I don't think we should have open borders. I think we need to have reasonable ways to control our borders and to manage immigration. And right now there are certainly jobs to be filled, et cetera. The wall. The wall is proving to be ineffective and costly. I, no one really talks about it, but you know, individuals and the traffickers in particular, they are cutting through the wall within minutes. There is a video of this. You can go online and you can see it. You can go to Home Depot or uh, Harbor Freight. You can buy a, um, a grinder, put a metal blade on it, cut through one of those bollards in about five minutes or less. They use a pickup truck to just pull the bollard out of the way, and then 20 people go through. They push the bollard back down so it looks like it's okay. They come back with another truck a little while later. 20 more people go through. The wall is not working the way Trump imagines the wall is working. He actually claimed at one point that Texas was uh, continuing to build his wall, and they aren't. You were mentioning it's shipping containers and barbed wire. And one more question. There are a lot of wall elements along the border, but isn't the vast majority of the border just a green border where there is no fence at all because it's it's a desert, it's no man's land? It's I used to actually do this with my students uh, when we were writing essays. And one of the topics that came up one year was uh, the, the uh, immigration. Uh, they were writing arguments for and against different policies. And you can go to Google Satellites and you can literally follow the border from one end to the other. And you can see where... So a, a couple of things. Trump did put up about 500 uh, miles of his wall, but about 350 miles of it was replacing barbed wire. Now, to be fair, the barbed wire that he replaced was pretty ineffective. It was like three or four strand barbed wire you'd see around a cow field and you can just kind of go through it. But you're right. If uh, yeah, There's about 2,000 miles of border between the U.S. and Texas. 
Mexico. Mexico. But that would be an interesting idea to set up a border between the U.S. <laughs> and Texas. <sighs> I mean, <sighs> Texans would be, especially those coming from California, who just relocated I when they would that, find <laughs> themselves in a in a, a state surrounded by a wall. Well, I, I misspoke. But every now and then, Texas does like suggest that they want to secede from the nation. And my response as a Californian is, how can I help? <laughs> we airlift you out of Texas. <laughs> I mean, can I contribute money somewhere? California and Texas have a love-hate relationship, mostly probably a hate relationship. All right, so let's... I, I, I just have to just uh, insert that um, before Trump became president, he was already elected. Um, I think it was in... November, two or three days after the election, I uh, was able to take a tour with uh, CBP, the, the the border police, at the border between um, Tijuana on the Mexican side in Southern California, and uh, on the other side with San Diego, and they took me on on a on a border trip. And the border before Trump became president in 2016 was I was surprised, and as you know. Germans are masters when it comes to building walls, especially the East Germans. They took me on a on a tour 10, 15 miles from the coast, California coast, from Pacific coast into uh, California. And that was a very solid border. It consisted of two fences, one smaller fence, maybe like nine or 10 feet high and then a much higher 20, I, I guess it was 20 feet high, real hard to climb wall and it was nearly that the CBP officers told me it's nearly impossible to get over or through that wall but of course uh, the coyotes on the other side they uh, dug uh, tunnels underneath the border and they had warehouses where they would come out during night hours and Uh, bring people and and other illegal stuff over, mainly drugs. And the funny thing that they also told me was that uh, cannabis would be transported from California into Mexico because it was better quality and uh, it was cheaper than cannabis from Mexico. But the fentanyl, the hard stuff, the hard drugs were transported using either these tunnels or American citizens, teenagers, older folks who needed money, they were used as, as mules to ship the, the drugs uh, between... At, at one point, I had heard that most of the fentanyl coming into this country was coming uh, either on trucks, through regular border stops, or right. through the mail. Right. And um, now, I will say, I have seen video of fentanyl dealers putting fentanyl through Trump's border wall where they just cut a section out of the wall and they were just passing the bags through. My point is, I just wanted to say before Trump became president, there was a really good working border already there. It was not very long, 30, 40, 50 miles, and then it, it becomes desert and Basically it's really hard through, to cross. It, you you really have to be yeah, in a very good constitution. You know, you need to know the area to, to make a, a crossing, and then there are mountains, and it's really hard to cross that green border. Probably two-thirds uh, of the border has no uh, fence. Uh, uh, the river Uh, the Rio Grande River is the natural, a natural border. border, not very effective because it's not very deep. Uh, but yes, a lot of the train, you, you can, like I said, you can literally go on Google Maps um, and follow the fence and you see that uh, once it gets a very deep desert or 
the mountains. There are parts of the border that are really mountainous, very steep, lots of loose rock, and the fence just peters out. It'd probably be very difficult to build a fence. You know, the bottom line is uh, I was always a... I mean, if I had to build a border barrier, it would be the two fence technique with, you know, maybe 20, 30 yards between the fences and a roadway between the fences so that if you got a fence over, you know, a ladder over one fence, you couldn't get it over the next. Anyway, my point is it could have been done a lot cheaper and it didn't have to be such a monument to inefficiency. Um, the last date I was able to find uh, was for 2022. I have no reason to think it's changed. There were about 4,000 breaches of the Trump border wall each year. Something like 11 times a day, someone would just cut through a section of the wall. I saw an interview with a couple of welders and they were just laughing. They literally go back and forth and they're having a hard time keeping up and they're literally just going back and forth welding the pieces of the wall back together that were uh, fairly simply cut. So uh, anyway, in, um, in reality, the state of Texas that Trump was admiring, uh, they've, they've opted for the much cheaper, uh, you know, razor wire, uh, and, and, uh, shipping container technique to build a wall. Um, that looks really nice having shipping containers along, along the, the river, the Rio Grande river. I saw the TV pictures on Newsmax and on, on Fox news who seem to sometimes broadcast from there 24 seven. Nothing's going to work and nothing's going to remain looking nice unless it's patrolled. And that's actually one of the issues right now. And Biden, of course, is being criticized for not putting enough people on the wall. We'll talk about that in a second. I'm thinking it's becoming a job not very many people really want to do anymore. Um, a lot of people who would do law enforcement don't buy into the the cruelty that the Trump administration was was uh, partaking in, you know, the separation of families in particular. Yeah, I, I just wanted to – I don't want to mock the, the people who secure the border – I agree that we should have some form of border control. And of course, a country needs to control the influx of, of people. And you need to know who's coming into the country. That is a absolutely necessity. And I think Democrats and Republicans can agree on that. Yes, I, I, I agree completely. But anyway, it was interesting watching these two press conferences Um Trump was fixated on uh, the variety of humanity that was coming uh, in. He, uh, it reminded me of his, uh, and again, I, I guess I do swear, but I feel this is one of those formal occasions, but it reminded me of his shithole countries uh, remarks from a few years ago. I don't know if you remember, he was talking about, you know, too many people were coming here from shithole countries and why weren't more... Um, Uh, like Nordic people coming in here, Swedes and, and uh, Norwegians. So you mean uh, people with uh, white skin and blonde hair? And of course, uh, Norway and Sweden are so underdeveloped countries. They just think uh, every day that they want to come to the U.S. and ask for political asylum because they don't have uh, health care. They don't have a running e a working economy and life in Norway and Sweden must be really, really, really bad. You know, I don't know if you, when the Trump family, when they were still the Drumpfs two generations ago, and they came to the United States, I don't know if you know this, but they pretended to be from, I believe it was Sweden. Yeah, but actually Trump's grandfather came from a city in West Germany called Trier. And his grandfather, I think it was a piece in the New York Times, when he came over, one of the first things he did, he was running a brothel. 
I did not know that. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a hotel. It was Shorter during that term. time. It was many hotels were hotels, but also <laughs> slash brothels. Yeah. Anyway, I, I was just the fixation with the Northern Europeans. I, I, I think there was a fixation there that dates back to like some of our favorite old time Germans who thought it is the racist. perfect, the it perfect is, Aryans were, were like racism. Swedish or something. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, no, but anyway, let's talk about the Texas thing again before I get too far off track. He repeated at least, I counted three, it might be four times that people from the Congo were coming. The Congo, ironically, there is a small population of people from Congo in Texas. So that may have been pointed out to him, but he actually didn't talk about El Salvadorans or Guatemalans or Mexicans as much as he repeated people from the Congo. Anyway, so I'm listening to his speech. Uh, He did at one point in a question later on say that uh, you could blame Trump for uh, that bill last week not passing in Congress, the one that uh, Senator Linksford Linksford, uh, worked on. Um, And then I think the implication, and he might have said this as well, was that, of course, when he gets elected, there will be a much better bill. But as terrible as things are, you got to wait a year for that to happen. And I look at the faces of the people around Trump, and I have to say some of the faces around Biden didn't look very happy to be there with him either. Uh, the Trump one really reminded me of a hostage video that that one or two agents uh, or representatives were so happy to have Trump there. And a handful of them, you know, when he's talking about the border and not saying anything specific, and we're going to have to wait a year. You could sort of see in their eyes that, you know, they're calculating how long they're going to have to suffer until they get some aid. So Biden, I, I did do the, the, the back-to-back uh, conferences. I watched them both. Biden was all about details. And um, any claim that, you know, I mean, I mean, at least he's able to, I, I don't know if he was reading cue cards, but he certainly was integrating his comments. Very fluid spoken sentences that actually started somewhere and ended somewhere, stayed on topic. So uh, here are some of the details. So uh, Biden reminded us that uh, Republicans, in response to uh, citizen Trump's urging, um, turned down a what would have been one of the most well-funded, strongest, strictest uh, border bills. He spoke about the Specifically, over the $1 billion in border security funds, he clarified that um, he wanted to, uh, to, there were, I guess there were laws within this bill that were going to make the asylum claim, um, the, make it stricter, so that it was harder to claim uh, asylum. The standards were going to get stricter. He spoke specifically about employing 1,500 more officers at points of entry, but most, in, most importantly, between ports of entry. He talked about making sure that these officers got overtime pay for when they did have to work uh, longer. Um, by the way, these are all things that make people want to join a police force, if you will. You know, they want to know they're going to be taken care of, not taken advantage of. Um, they're not going to be alone. They want to make sure that the rules are clear. Uh, otherwise, you'd have to be some sort of psycho to join a police department that had no guidance. Anyway, so uh, more asylum judges, 
Right now, there's a backlog of people claiming asylum. And this is what Biden identified as one of the fundamental problems, is that if a person comes here and claims asylum, it might be six, seven years before they actually get a hearing, which means they're effectively in the country. He wanted to get that down to a few weeks. Are they, are they allowed to work during that time? Do they get a temporary I think they might be permit? getting a temporary permit, but I also don't think it's a deterrent if they don't. Right. If people are here to, you know, if they've crossed the border illegally and, you know, they're going to And work what if, regardless. what if somebody comes here, gets that temporary work permit, maybe starts a family or already has a family, sends his kids to school, they, they grow up with English, maybe they only know English or will speak English much better after the seven years. And then a judge This decides is, that they had to right, then leave got, the country. Right. And we haven't completely solved the problem about what they call the, those kids, the dreamers. Yeah, And by the way, having worked with a lot of dreamer kids when I was in LA, kids whose parents crossed the border illegally, but the children were born here. So they were American citizens. They were American citizens and many, if not most of them were really great kids. Hmm. They were really, and by the way, overrepresented in our military, Latinos are overrepresented in the Marines and in the army. So yeah, some really great kids, some of them very patriotic. Now someone's going to say, well, what about the, 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 the gangbangers? Well, that's the other course. If you see your parents working their asses off and you don't think the system is going to be fair to you, you might as well join a gang. I would say the majority of the kids I worked with were not in gangs and they were really, they were the types of kids you want to be citizens down the road. Anyway, hmm. uh, so so uh, part of the bill and Biden was speaking to this was, um, you know, they wanted to get the asylum process cleaned up with more judges. They wanted to get the hearings down to a few days or weeks. So that if you crossed illegally, you would be sent back very quickly if your claim of asylum uh, was, justified was false. Or, yeah. Right, it's justified, then it's a different route. But yeah, <laughs> And you know, he sees that as a deterrent. You're not going to spend a lot of money with a coyote and work really hard to cross the border if you know you're going to be sent home within a few days. Um, more equipment, more trucks, cameras, um, more x-ray machines or actually they're kind of multi-scanner devices x-ray and i guess they do some other things to look for fentanyl at the truck stops um more importantly in that conference the thing i thought was most interesting was president biden asked citizen trump to join him in asking congress to pay for to, to pass the legislation to pay for these changes. This is a truly bipartisan initiative. That's why the bipartisan South Texas Alliance of Cities endorsed it. Folks, <clears throat> I, didn't get, I didn't get everything I wanted in that compromised bipartisan bill, but neither did anybody else. A compromise is part of the process. That's how democracy works. That's how it's supposed to work. Compromise is a very positive step on a critical issue for the country, all those issues for the country. And folks here in Brownsville and all along the border know that. We need to have their backs, your backs. I want the people to understand clearly what happened here. This bill was in the United States Senate, it was on its way to being passed. Then it was derailed by rank and file politics, rank partisan politics. The U.S. Senate needs to reconsider this bill. And those senators who oppose it need to set politics aside and pass it on the merits not on whether it's going to benefit one party or benefit the other party. It's about whether it benefits the American people. It's what the American people deserve. And the Speaker of the House needs to put this bill on the floor, because if he put it on the floor unrestricted, it would pass. The majority of Democrats and Republicans in both houses support this legislation. 
until someone came along and said, don't do that, it'll benefit the incumbent. That's a hell of a way to do business in America for such a serious problem. We need to act. It's time for the speakers and some of my Republican friends in Congress who are blocking this bill to show a little spine. Pass a bipartisan board, bipartisan, remember, bipartisan, conservative leaders supported this. Border security bill. Let's remember who we work for, for God's sake. We work for the American people. Let me end with this. I understand my predecessors in Eagle Pass today. So here's what I would say to Mr. Trump. Instead of playing politics with this issue, instead of telling members of Congress to block this legislation, join me, or I'll join you in telling the Congress to pass this bipartisan border security bill. We can do it together. You know and I know it's the toughest, most efficient, most effective border security bill this country has ever seen. So instead of playing politics with the issue, why don't we just get together and get it done? Let's remember who the heck we work for. We work for the American people, not the Democratic Party, the Republican Party. We work for the American people. And let's remember who we are. We're the United States of America. No, I mean this. Think about this. There's nothing, nothing beyond our capacity, nothing, when we work together. And if all things we should be working together on is this, we have the formula to get it done. God bless you all. May God protect our Border Patrol and God protect our troops. It was one of the first things Biden did. Came into the office three years ago. One of the first things he did was try to get a border initiative passed. No go, no go, no go. And finally, he got the, you know, the biparty commission together, Senator Langsford and so on. I keep mentioning his name. There were others, of course. Um, so this has not been something that he's ignored or just jumped onto lately. But as we can hear later in this episode, Austin, it is... The, it's one thing to have ideas, to do something, to be very detailed, to know what you want to uh, do. And it's so hard to get voters persuaded, get excited. And as we can hear in a couple of minutes, he is not very successful in doing that. I, I actually thought the Biden um, press conference uh, in Brownsville, Texas, was interesting Uh, you know, and, and he brings as much emotion as he can to facts and figures. I, I, I think the split in the way the human brain works is I think voting is probably emotional, but choosing who you vote should not be. Choosing who you vote for should not be emotional. But to separate and exactly that it's, is it's, nearly impossible. It's hard. It's, it's like going to a supermarket or a shop and see a fancy dress or a shirt or something that you want to buy, a, a, a gadget. Then, you know, your emotions uh, most probably will dominate, except your bank account says uh, no. Oh, I get that. And especially if half the media is telling you that uh, one side exactly. is lying. I would encourage people just to, Just pay attention. You know, I I was reminded by uh, Citizen Trump's uh, photo op at the border. Of I love it when you say Citizen Trump. Well, I, I, I picked that up from one of the court cases. And and like I said, I, I, I guess maybe in a different context, um, if I were introducing him at an event and he was the only president there, I would be perfectly fine using the honorific President Trump. Um. Uh, but right now we're talking about two presidents and one is only one is actually the president. The other one is currently, uh, uh, as one of the judges said, a citizen. Um, but anyway, uh, I was reminded of, 
you know, if you actually pay attention to, I was reminded one, how he sometimes just doesn't make sense and how his comments are very general. Things are going to be better. They're going to be great. They're going to be the biggest, the best there, you know, and there's that. And that stuff doesn't really mean that much. And then there's the stuff that's just fake or weirdly derivative of some memory that he might've had. I'm going to give you three examples. Do you remember when uh, Trump claimed that American Muslims celebrated in mass outdoors, protesting, celebrating when the 9-11 attack occurred? Yeah, I remember that. No evidence of it never happened, did, ha did not happen in Jersey City. But I remember that week, within a day or two, seeing, seeing celebrations in Pakistan. And I think he saw that on the news. And he heard about, there were two guys in Jersey who were watching the buildings collapse. And someone said they looked suspicious. And they were actually picked up by police later. There was a third guy in the car. They were investigated and nothing came of it. Um, but, but somehow he put this together in his head and there were, you know, Muslims had to be like controlled in this country because they were celebrating this attack on the United States. I saw it in, in Pakistan. I actually saw a little later on a, a demonstration in uh, England, in London. Never happened in the United States. And then, um, do you remember when he claimed that thousands of illegal, well, actually, yeah. Remember when he claimed that thousands of illegal immigrants voted for Hillary? Yeah. That he lost the popular election because illegal immigrants voted for Hillary. Right. And you he know? repeated that in 2020, of course. Yeah. 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 Do you remember, do you know where that yeah. story came yeah. from? Yeah. So, so the story where it came from, uh, he had a friend, uh, a golfer, a professional German golfer. He had a friend of his who went to vote for Trump illegally while he was a German citizen, I guess didn't understand how it worked, went to the polling place, tried to vote. He was confronted by the voting officials and they pointed out to him, uh, by the way, his name was Bernard Langer. Bernhard Langer. He's a very, he's Germany's most famous golfer. Right. Blonde guy, tall, and used to be the, yeah, The Turn, most famous golfer in Turns Germany. out he was living in Florida at the time. Yeah, yeah. And he's friends with Trump. As many Germans do. So <laughs> Especially the I rich Germans have their villas there. Like they have either a villa in uh, Mallorca, Spain, that It, little island. Homes. Or in Florida, because it was so cheap after tw uh, 2008, after the housing crisis. Ah, interesting. Uh -huh. So this guy, uh, Langer. Langer. Langer, yeah. Langer. Um, Went to try to vote for I Trump. Didn't know that story? I didn't. He know. went to try to vote for Trump, Jeez. and he was turned away. He could have ended up in jail. I mean, that would would have been a nice headline. Famous German golfer. I only jailed. know of two people in Florida that actually went to jail for trying to vote illegally. Probably and Republicans. No, well, actually, the Republicans get caught. They don't go to jail because um, two black people. One of them actually went to the polling place to ask if he could vote, and he was told yes. And then later on, they said he wasn't eligible, and they actually arrested him. He did a year in jail. So anyway, Longer goes down there and wants to vote. They turn him away. And as he's leaving, mm -hmm. he notices that there are a bunch of Hispanic looking people in line, a bunch of Latinos in line. And so he told, he next time he met Trump, Trump on the golf course in Mar-a-Lago, he told them, hey, Donnie. They guess, wouldn't let me vote for you. Guess what happened? They, they, didn't, they didn't let me vote, but there were a lot of Latinos trying to vote. In Florida, for crying out loud. In Florida, he saw Latinos <laughs> and he freaked out and he told Trump. And, and that is actually the origin of, of the Trump 
story. And after that, Trump started talking about Latinos voting illegally, and then he moved it to California because California is the big place that, you know, Republicans are suspicious of. The Okay, so let's talk about the Latino vote in, in Florida. It's mostly Republican because they they're, all come from Cuba. They're all Cubans. They hate communism. Right. They hate— <laughs> Right, so all those Latinos in line were probably voting for Trump anyway. Oh, God, it kills me. So anyway, so— um, so he, yeah, was, yeah. I, I, you know, I was going to do a breakdown of that story, but you literally have a German I can, guy I can illegally see, voting for Trump. I can see through. the sweat on your forehead already, Austin. Please don't, don't, don't okay. get a heart so, attack. Well, but that was. I, I do. I do want to tie this back up to the the yeah. Eagle Pass thing. One of his big claims at Eagle Pass was how foreign governments are emptying their prisons and sending people here. There's no evidence of that. He said prisons and uh, um, hospitals and mental institutions, we're, we're getting all of these sick and defective people are being sent here by other. And I, and, I, and I thought, God, that sounds so familiar. Where does that come from? Because there's no evidence that it's going on now. And I recalled way back when I was in the Coast Guard, the Mariel Boatlift, 1981, 82, Cubans were leaving Cuba in large numbers, and Castro did dump some of their prisoners into these crowds of Cubans that were coming to the U.S. Among them, there were criminals. If you saw the movie Scarface, that's, you know, there's imagery of that. The, 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 the Cuban communist government wanted to get rid of not only political prisoners, but also but of it some was, criminals, and it was an easy way to, to get rid of them just to... But probably half or more of those guys, again, were political prisoners who went to Cuba, got citizenship, and became Republicans. Austin, why does it so sound so familiar to me? Because the former East German government did exactly the same. So in the 70s and 80s, the West German government... Um, transferred millions of Deutschmark to East Germany in order to get to free political prisoners. And what did the East German government do? They, of course, let them go, but also they let go the criminals and, and um, said, you know, they're better off in West Germany. We wanted to get rid of them. So that happened as well. But the, the, the thing that Trump uses here is, is, of course, he wants to dehumanize human beings and uh, gets what really probably will stick in 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 the voter's mind is oh yeah all the people the majority that comes over the border are criminals which is to be honest not true and and I don't know if he's confused but a lot of people have seen Scarface and maybe they don't remember the source of their faulty memory but then they it has a ring of truth oh yes I remember this. I remember, you know, foreign governments. That's not what we're getting on the border down down, down south. That's not what we're getting on the border. Um, and by the way, all these uh, dissidents from other countries that get kicked out from communist countries, who do they vote for? Of course, for the Republicans. Well, after they become citizens. Yeah. Right? They, they, I mean, they, at least it used to be like that yeah. in the past 20 years. I, the, the Cuban population in Florida tends 90%. to be really conservative. Yeah. yeah, and it's one of the reasons why we can't, we have to remember that the Lat, so-called Latino uh, voter population, the Latinx voter population is not uh, uniform. That is so true. But uh, Austin, I mean, that is one side of the medal, but we have to talk about some uh, fresh numbers. What that, do you want to talk about? That just came in 
um, for Biden and Trump, and they are probably very shocking for the Democrats. In the latest uh, um, poll from the New York Times and Siena College, President Biden is facing some really tough challenges within his own ranks and a general unease about where the country is headed. This all comes at a time when he's trailing behind Donald J. Trump, right as they as their face-off in the general election starts to heat up with uh, the November election only eight months away. Biden's supports, and this is really important, Biden's support stands at 43%, 43%, while Trump leads, according to the New York Times, with 48% among registered voters. I, you know, I, I uh, saw those numbers and um, I kind of don't know what to say. Uh, like a quarter of voters feel the country's on the right track, only a quarter. And and I guess, you know, I, I heard a conservative, a conservative pundit last night uh, pressing a more liberal person saying, uh, you know, are you better off today than you were um, four years ago. And that's not exactly the right question. I, I mean, that question, I would say probably yes, uh, for some intangible reasons, as well as, you know, I feel relatively secure, um, in the economy. Um, but th I think the real question is, you know, what do we think the party in office is going to do next? Like the next party in office, what are they going to do? What are they going to accomplish? What are they going to create? And I think you have to kind of look at it as a party thing. But yes, uh, I was disturbed at how low Biden's numbers were. A uh, significant number of people um, feel that Biden's policies have been harmful. I don't see that. I'm trying to figure out where that is. I guess some of them are talking about the border. They feel like he hasn't done enough. I have a feeling that without straightening out what's happening with immigration law and uh, funding, you're not going to get the border patrol agents you need to cover the gaps in the border. Um, they're just overwhelmed. And, um, but, but, but anyway, they see the border as a crisis, as a problem that's not getting better. I, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, Biden's not behind some of the social policies that they're worried about. I guess some of them are complaining about some of his energy policies. The reality is he's gotten more programs started and going, you know, road building, bridges, infrastructure, uh, even um, sustainable energy. A lot of that stuff is already translating into jobs. Anyway, I, I don't see it. Um, I talked to an analyst of the Fed here in California the other day, and um, I asked him about the economy. And he said the economy is in a very good shape. Employment, unemployment rate is super low. And um, private households, people still have money in their bank accounts, and they're doing fairly well. But the, the perception of how the economy is is doing is very, very bad. 
I also found interesting, Austin, according to this uh, New York Times article, there are signals here that Biden needs to pay attention to, especially with key groups within the Democratic coalition, like women, uh, African-Americans and Latino voters. Trump, on the other hand, seems to have a tighter grip on his party, even with uh, the primary contest still in there, play. Yeah, I, I think you're talking about there's been a slight shift of women toward uh, Trump. Uh, I don't think it's a large number, but I'm, you know, who are these women who are, uh, who think Trump's, uh, another uh, Trump administration is going to make things better? That, you know, uh, more Supreme Court cases like the ones that have um, essentially eliminated uh, um choice abortions even when needed in much of the country uh but IVF. It, it, it it but that doesn't seem to resonate I, with i know i i i don't entirely get it and i think another split was between older and younger voters again i don't now i would say in this category i don't know what younger voters they're polling or how they're polling them i do think there's a great apathy i mean i see that with my own teenagers who really just aren't interested but I also don't know how you pull that group. I don't know how you tear them away from whatever they're doing on their phone. I know they're not watching TV. I mean, the New York Times said they, uh, there is uh, the strongest resistance is coming from younger voters. And what do they mean with younger voters? They mean uh, people below 45. Oh, yeah. So not necessarily. I was going to say college kids. I don't know who reads the paper or watches TV anymore. But that's also true. Uh I know a lot of Let's 35 year olds that Biden don't. has a problem to activate his base and 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 I think that's uh that that that's very clear and and Trump's stronghold over his base is is evident Austin according to that uh, poll retaining 97% of his 2020 uh of his 2020 voters he retains 97% of them with almost none shifting to Biden. And in contrast, Biden holds on to 83% of his 2020 voters, but 10% are now swinging towards Trump. And uh, I think it's a clear sign of the shifting dynamics as we inch closer to election day. You're succeeding in making me very worried. I, I don't... I kind of don't know where to go with this. I, I uh, maybe if uh, I mean both these guys are old, we can't really get over that. Uh, some people are recommending that Biden just leans into being old, uh, and he kind of did that during his, one of his recent. It might have been Brownsville, where he said, uh, "You know, I'm I'm old, but it's it's not the ideas. You know, Trump's ideas are old, and you know his ideas are not old. Therefore." A country that improves. And I think there's a key there, and it might be that we have to see this as kind of a parliamentary election. We, we might be voting for these two individual guys, but what we're really voting for are all the people and the policies they're going to bring with them. And I, I think it's unfair that we don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not whining unfair, but There's a, a, a disparity here. We don't know who Trump's running mate's going to be. They're probably going to be as extreme as he is. They could be a terrible person. Um, Or it could be a senator from Georgia. <laughs> uh, maybe. But he seems to be too nice. I, whoever it is, they're, 
He doesn't want to have gonna, a second Pence. They're right. They're not going to be very uh, pro-democratic. They're going to have to believe that the election was stolen in the past. The people we know he's going to have Stephen Miller around. We're going to see a revival of uh, General uh, what's his name? I pleaded guilty. Yeah, <laughs> I know who you mean. That, that <laughs> crazy general. Austin, and, can I can yeah. I stick the knife a little bit deeper? No, no use can, a different metaphor. Please, please. Can you torment me some more? Yes, Go ahead. I want to torture you a little bit more. Uh, the Democratic voters seem to be, other than enthusiastic about the election, only 23% of Democratic primary voters express excitement about uh, Biden. Half the percentage of Republicans uh, are enthusiastic about Trump. Additionally, more Democrats are dissatisfied or angry with Biden as their leader, 32%. Compared to Republicans' dissatisfaction with Trump, that number is at 18%. Again, I don't know how to respond. It's, it, no, the numbers are terrible. And like I said, I, I hope they're not accurate. I hope in the next few months, I, again, I don't need people, you don't need, we don't need people to be excited or enthusiastic. Just, but that's I, how I politics of, work. That's how a like democratic process works. You have to activate bus. people. You have to activate the voters. I kind of feel like we're in a bus and it's running down a mountainside out of control. And there are two guys fighting for the steering wheel and there are no brakes. When it's all over, I don't feel like I have to be enthusiastic. I just need to feel like I've dodged the worst crash of my life. And I'm, I'm really sorry the poll numbers are so bad. You really bummed me out with those. At least, Austin, I, I, I like your analogies. They're always on the spot. I, I'm into analogies. I told you before, you should have become a writer. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, maybe I'm working on it. Come I on. was a teacher, though, and I did teach by analogy and metaphor. So despite these trends, Austin, uh, the election remains unpredictable, especially with Trump facing legal challenges in the next few weeks, let's see, including four indictments, 91 felony counts, and an upcoming criminal trial in uh, the New York State Supreme Court. Interestingly, and here are a few more numbers out of that uh, New York Times piece, interestingly, 53% of voters believe Trump has committed serious federal crimes. And that, Austin, is a slight decrease from 58% in December. It, it gets better the longer we talk, yet Trump Wait, wait, which, which way is that going? Is it going more in favor of Trump or away yeah, from? Yeah, a slight decrease from 58% So fewer people think he committed a crime yeah. because he has successfully stalled the courts and there's a question about whether or not a prosecutor had the sex news, with another prosecutor. I, I think the news are so flooded with his trials. As I said, four indictments, 91 felony counts. People don't pay much attention to what's broadcasted from MSNBC to Fox News, Newsmax. And, and People are tired there. of it. They're, they're totally tired. And they they're don't blaming pay Democrats for it. Right. And so it doesn't resonate with them anymore. So Trump can basically shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue. That's what he's arguing. Exactly. So um, speaking of metaphors. Please. And analogies. Please. Are we ready to change the subject? We should, and we should come I, to an end. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, this is... 
we just you just bummed me out so much. I know. I, we, I'm it, sorry that I we ruined saw your, a, your day. we saw a movie. We went to see a movie last oh, yeah. night. Yes, we went uh, to a movie theater here in San Rafael, and we saw a movie that is based on a book. The book is called Origin. It's a nonfiction. Actually, book. the book is called uh, the Cast. Cast. Sorry, the book is called Cast, Cast by Isabel Wilkinson. Cast the origin of our discontents, and the film is Origin. And um, by the way, origin. If you're not, uh, it'll origin, come out on Netflix. Origin single, I think. Single, uh, not Origins. Yeah. Um, is it coming out on Netflix soon? It, I think yeah. Cause, Netflix cause, produced it. Uh, the director, uh, how, how do you pronounce her name again? I think Duvernay. it's Ava Duvernay. Duvernay. Uh, I saw an interview with her. She flat out said she was not trying to make money for any uh, big corporations. Uh, so the movie is coming out with almost no advertising. Um, she has uh, done some press stuff, been on some talk shows. Uh, you, would you agree people should see this movie? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it should Absolutely. become part of our, our cultural uh, understanding. It should, it should become part uh, in, in schools, I think. Except they for should, Florida. They can't they, do it in Florida. It's illegal in Florida. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, um, but no, that, that movie should be shown in, in, in 10th or 11th grade because it, it is a very touching movie. It's very hard to digest, but it's every minute is worth. I, I'm trying not to say too much about the film, but I agree. If I were still teaching, I would find a way to get this book and this film into the classroom. Maybe the book and excerpts. By the way, if you look at the book, the book looks big. Uh, about 100 uh, pages of it are notes, uh, sources, citations. So it's a fairly quick 400-page read. She basically is uh, looking at the thesis that um, – what we call racism is actually rooted in a, a caste system. Uh, and uh, we'll talk more about it next week. So if everybody goes out and reads the book or sees the movie, they can, uh, it could be like a book group. Absolutely. I do not agree with her thesis uh, in, in every point, but I think it's pretty well written. It's a, a, a pretty compelling thesis and yeah we should talk about if, if nothing else it's an education about what's gone on in the world that you know the, the stuff that people just don't talk and about. it gives you so much background about uh, our societies in the western world um and uh yeah it, it's a it's a great movie and it most certainly i haven't i just started the book i haven't finished it yet so if you got a book group recommend it for your book group uh, uh movie night it is not light I don't think this is a date movie. No. Date night, no. No, it is definitely not. Yeah. 